0: Welcome to The Doctrinal Component with Tom Nettles, brought to you by Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries is a reformed teaching organization committed to the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. For more teaching material by Dr. Nettles, please visit founders.org. Hello, this is Tom Nettles with the next edition of The Doctrinal Component. Uh, We're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 in this series. Uh, This is, of course, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who is responsible for making sure that the church in Ephesus remained true to the faith. Uh, And in instruction to that end, he says in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 3, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Uh, We have been looking at the confessions of faith that we find evidence for in Scripture themselves as an example of the fact that it is a good thing for us to have very pithy ways in which we can express those things that are true from divine revelation. Uh, and <clears throat> we looked at several of these confessions of faith and now we want to consider the, another reason is why we should value these confessions is because of the, the nature of a confession of faith. A confession of faith actually is an attempt to consolidate the themes that are distributed throughout the Bible. Uh, we look at the fact that the Bible teaches things about creation in Genesis and in the Psalms and uh, in Ecclesiastes and in Romans and in Revelation. And so for us to understand a, a, a fulsome un, uh, view of how uh, creation operates under God, as he brought it into being and then, then will we'll glorify it in the end, we can build a, a doctrine of creation, a doctrine of this created order through consolidating the various themes that we find distributed throughout the Bible. A second aspect of the nature of a confession of faith is that a confession of faith assumes the perfect consistency of scripture. That is, that we believe that it is without error, that the themes that we find on any one particular subject will finally be consistent with each other so that we can build a a make a ra- rational presentation of that subject whether it has to do with what is what is the image of god in man when the bible says that in the image of god created he him male and female created he them do we have indications throughout scripture of ...to what constitutes this image of God. And when Ephesians and Colossians tell us that uh, he is restoring the image of God uh, in us... ...and it gives descriptions there of certain things that constitute the image of God. We believe these things are consistent. We believe that they constitute a whole. And so we can begin to build a doctrine of something like the image of God... ...or the person of Christ or any number of subjects... ...because we assume the perfect consistency of Scripture... Another aspect of the nature of a confession of faith that causes us to value it is that we assume, or a confession of faith assumes a growth throughout the canon of both detail and clarity. Uh, we know that there are going to be things introduced early in Scripture, perhaps aspects of the prophetic, uh, of, of prophecy about, about Christ. We know that He will be uh, a prophet like Moses. We know that he will be a king like David. He, We know that he will fulfill the priesthood and he will offer the final sacrifice. And so we uh, see all of these things coming together and we see the New Testament then present Jesus as prophet, as priest, as king. We see a discussion of, uh, in fact, all three of these in the book of Hebrews with the heavy emphasis on Jesus as as the final priest making the final sacrifice. And so there is a growth throughout the canon of scripture. We have greater details about how the prophets conducted themselves, about how the the, the obligations of the priests, about the fact that none of the kings of Israel were that final king that would come. All of them failed in some way, but when the final king comes that would sit on the throne of David, he would be the perfect king. He would rule with absolute justice, with absolute uh, equity, with absolute uh, clarity. And so there is this building up throughout uh, the Scripture in detail and in clarity. And a confession of faith helps us consolidate those issues and bring them uh, together. Also, as we consider the nature of a confession of faith, uh, we see that it expresses confidence that the goal, as announced by Paul in Ephesians 4, the goal of unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we see that that is a serious stewardship placed upon the gifted teachers of the church. Uh, This is something that is a a duty of the teachers of the church that cannot uh, be omitted. Uh, We are to come into a unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is what constitutes Christian maturity. This is what uh, moves us toward the stature of the fullness of Christ. And it is the entire scripture that does this it is, but it is, a, it is a confession of faith then that helps us test the degrees of maturity that we are achieving in our knowledge of the Son of God. Another reason that we should value a confession of faith, the third one we're mentioning, they give clear expression to controverted doctrines. The Apostles' Creed was set forth in a Trinitarian order in order to make sure that the church confessed Father, Son, and Spirit. And it also had a reality, uh, an emphasis on the reality of the true conception of Christ, the birth of Christ, the suffering of Christ, the bodily resurrection of Christ, and his bodily ascension uh, from which he shall come to judge the world. Uh, This uh, these doctrines were not held as clearly as they should be, so the, the rule of faith which developed into the Apostles' Creed affirmed these doctrines with great uh, uh, clarity. Uh, they would be developed in detail more, but at least the affirmation was a very clear step of making sure that the church was confessing true doctrine. When Arius challenged the person of Christ denying his deity, uh, the meeting at Nicaea in 325 uh, discussed these issues and issued a doctrinal statement, issued a creed, a confession of faith that clarified the reality that Jesus is of the same essence as the Father in his deity, and he shares with us true humanity. When Nestorius beginning began to teach that Jesus' full deity and his humanity meant that he must be two persons you could not possibly be one person. Uh, the Creed at Chalcedon uh, affirmed that Jesus was not only God and man, full-nature God, full-nature man, but the, these two full complete natures came together in one person, one Lord, one Christ, the man Jesus of Nazareth. So we Have affirmed about confessions of faith that they follow the biblical pattern, summarizing doctrinal points as we find in the New Testament itself. We have looked at the nature of a confession of faith and uh, the way in which it reflects certain uh, realities about uh, the nature of Scripture itself. And then we have seen that confessions of faith give clear expression to controverted doctrines. We will look at other aspects of the value of a confession in our next edition. Thank you for joining me for this uh, presentation of the doctrinal component.